countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, it's now time for more of the last comic shop! That's right. <laughs> We're opening up the store for newbies to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. And we're keeping the lights on for the oldies, because they're the only ones that are going to care about the book we talk about today. <laughs> wow! Shots over the bow to start. There, <laughs> there have to be some newer legion of superhero fans out there. I mean, it can't be all just folks that remember, like, I don't know, the 70s and the 80s. and Maybe it is. I don't know, but I'm the host yeah. with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by uh, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, and we are covering a Legion of Superheroes comic book today. Yay! It's another DC classic. It's actually Chad's pick. Chad, I, Yes! I asked Chad, I said, you have a DC pick for this month, and, you know, and he was like, oh, why don't we read The Great Darkness Saga? And I was like, I've never read any Legion of Superheroes. Well, I... I that's a lie. I've read some Silver Age stuff for, you know, shits and giggles. But, like, I don't know. It's kind of weird to think of, like, I don't know, your superheroes being called Bounce Boy or <laughs> Lightning Lass or Chad Lad. That's Matter Eater Chad. I told you already. Matter <laughs> Eater Chad. One of my very multiversal variations. But now, with Legion, like, I always hear, like, older fans talk about how great Legion is, and it's one of those books that I never got into, and I was like, I've been sitting on this Great Darkness saga at Found of the Dollar Bins for, for years now. I was like, we should read it. And we did, and that's over. <laughs> but we'll talk more about it later. Yeah, that's right. Well, for the opening segment of today's program, we're actually going to talk about some other things in, in, in the comic book world. A couple weeks ago, they released the list of those folks that are going to be inducted or potentially inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. Just like, you know, there's a football Hall of Fame and a baseball Hall of Fame. The Eisner uh, Hall of Fame really does celebrate those comic book artists and writers and creators and folks in the industry that really made a difference and should be enshrined someplace. So like every year they, they induct uh, certain folks into this hall of fame. It's a very uh, prestigious honor. And today we're finally going to talk about not only those ones that are a shoe in to get in, they're called the judges choices, but we're also going to talk about the nominees that uh, basically I think what four are going to be selected Chad from this list that they have. Yeah, so they have uh, 17 potential nominees. There's a two-step voting process, which uh, the deadline was back in May. And that number is four that will go in and join the already pre-selected members to become part of the Eisner Hall of Fame. Yes. So we are going to, on this show, not only go over who, who was nominated, but also real quickly give our choices for who we would induct if we were happen to be awesome judges instead of just folks with a rinky-dink podcast. So, uh, J.A., why don't you give us who the judges' choices are first? These are the people that are going to get in regardless, and then we'll get to those nominees. Sure. So we've got um, EC founder and publisher Max Gaines, who devised the first four-color saddle-stitched newsprint comic in the 30s. Oh, not, as, not as famous as his, his son, Bill Gaines. Uh, who actually did all the EC horror and sci-fi and had to appear in a Senate court hearing on juvenile delinquency in comics and all that. But Max, his dad, who had the Bible comics that Bill kept on saying, oh, yeah, we got Bible comics. The educational comics of the <laughs> and the sea. Exactly. Who else we got, J.A.? Legendary Marvel Comics editor Mark Grunwald. Oh, my Squadron Supreme rises again. There you go. What was Owen Wilson's character in Loki? Is that the what if? No, what what is that story where every, where everyone is Mark Grunwald? Yeah, time it's Mobius. Right. Oh, right. right. It's Mobius. But, every, but everyone, not just one character, everyone is the same, right? They all look like Mark Grunwald. Yeah, that's the guy they're based off of because he was the guy that knew and kept everything in line at Marvel. Yeah, he yeah. wrote the uh, handbook to the Marvel Universe, which... Actually was a good idea at the time. 
So then uh, we have two pioneers of the comic book medium, British illustrator Marie Duval, who co-created in 1867 the British cartoon character Ali Sloper, which is considered the first reoccurring cartoon character, and cartoonist Rose O'Neill, who created the Q-Pies in 1912. And finally, two living legends, Filipino-American artist Alex Nino, who worked for DC, Marvel, Heavy Metal, and artist P. Craig Russell, which we've covered uh, numerous books that he's done, uh, North Mythology. And uh, he also was uh, on that Doctor Strange book that we – so if you want to go back and – Listen to our Doctor Strange review. Uh, yeah, you can get some more Pete Craig Russell. So who are the nominees? So, yeah, so now I'm just going to read off the nominees. I won't say, you know, what they're known for. And, and you guys can pick out some of the names that jump out to you and, you know, elaborate a bit on them. Uh, but the 17 nominees are Howard Chaikin, Jerry Conway, Kevin Eastman, Steve Engelhart, Moto Haggio, Larry Hama, Jeffrey Catherine Jones, David Mazzuccelli, Jean-Claude Mezzeres, Grant Morrison, Gaspar Saldino, Jim Shooter, Gary Trudeau, Ron Turner, George Tuska, Mark Wade, and Kat Iron Road. Sorry, I'm, I'm butchering that last name. It's 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 not the easiest to pronounce. Ah, no worries. Yeah, that is quite a who's who, and a lot of people that we've covered actually on the last comic shop. So, I guess kudos to us. Like we, we, we know talent, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Chad, you can go up first. If you were a potential judge, which four would you enshrine? Okay, yeah, this is tough because there's so many great names on this list. And there also, there's a handful that I'm not super involved with. So forgive me as I, I dismiss Jean-Claude Mezier, even though we read some Valerian, we didn't read the good stuff, apparently. Uh, <laughs> or... Or Kat uh, Iron Road, who seems like she was a behind-the-scenes editor type person. But uh, there are lots of great people that I'm leaving off my list. Like, I definitely think Mark Wade is a giant in the industry. I definitely think that Grant Morrison deserves recognition. And Howard Chaikin is somebody whose work I, I really love. I, I wouldn't argue their inclusion here. But my four that I would put in include uh, Dave Mazzuccelli. Who, his Batman Year One is just between that and Born Again, like those are the best of comics. And he also gets my nod just on a personal level for Asterius Pollock. And I know Andy's sick of me talking about this. There's there's one page where he's in a classroom and he has all these different students and they're all composed different ways. Like some are jaggedy lines and some are made out of boxes and some are made with real big loopy doopy circles. And it just it changed the way that I see people in the real world. And so like for me, Dave Mazzuccelli is a master in the field and just so, so genius. Uh, so he gets my pick. Jim shooter is another one where the heyday of Marvel people often associate, you know, your Stan Lee's and your Jack Kirby's. And that's true. But uh, Marvel doesn't become what it is without Jim shooter. And whether it's things like secret wars or some of his Avengers stories that he wrote, or just, you know, making some of the hard decisions sometimes. So much of what I love from Marvel came out and, and and maintained as a result of Jim Shooter. And then my number three is going to be Larry Hama. Uh, I'm a huge, huge G.I. Joe guy. And Hama's G.I. Joe work is just incredible. His Wolverine work is great. He's somebody who is consistent. You know you're going to get a good book when you have Larry Hama there. And then finally... Jerry Conway, who wrote some of the first Spider-Man stories that I read. Such a huge impact on defining the character for me. Even more so than the Stan and Steve Ditko stuff that I wouldn't get to until much later. It was Jerry Conway that helped me fall in love with Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. I love Spider-Man, and so I love those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I can't argue with your list too much. I think you got three out of the four for me as well. Like, I'll put in Dave Mazzuccelli, of course, because, again, I love Mysterious Polyp. I love Year One. Uh, And then, of course, uh, I'll put in Jerry Conway, because for the same reasons that you did. Plus, I love Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man sweats. And he still writes good stuff because I really enjoyed his uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Like that was a really great series that, that, again, rekindled my love in Spider-Man after so many years. And then Jim Shooter 
Jim Shooter is actually one of my favorite comic book writers. I mean, I love his stuff on the Avengers. I love the all the early Valiant stuff. Like again, he shows like that he can build a universe, and as long yeah. as you follow the Shooter plan, things make sense and build logically to great conclusions. He knows how to run a tight ship and so that's really hard in the comic book industry yeah and, uh, then, and then when when they canned him then valiant went downhill exactly had to be bought, had to be bought by an arcade company which also went downhill and it was all <laughs> it's, I, I could say the same they're thing only finally marvel. coming back now like it's like marvel they canned jim shooter they got rid of jim shooter within a decade like marvel was bankrupt mm. it, it, it happens you get rid of shooter at the helm and like all of things start going down downhill so like that you can't argue his his influence. But I think I'm going to give the nod to Howard Chaikin over Larry Hama. I think Chaikin is just a masterful artist. Everything from, like, adaptation of Star Wars. I mean, that was the book that was keeping Marvel in the black. And he was drawing that. Then he had his stuff on Shadow. And then later on, you get even some of his, you know, American flag and... He wrote something called American Century. If you're ever going to find that, that's a really good series. I don't know. His Hey Kids comics is just, he's, I don't know. I've just like everything he's ever done in, t- in terms of at least art, for sure. Jay, who's your picks? Yeah, I, I echo you both with Jim Shooter and Jerry Conway. I lean towards uh, Jean-Claude Meseries simply for the breadth of his work and the amount and the impact globally he has had. I mean, let's not just remember that the comic book industry is not just in the United States. So, <laughs> and I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, give a little shout out to Steve Englehart. He did some of the early Silver Surfer issues, the the third volume yeah. of Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah. Also, also co-created Shang-Chi and Star-Lord and Mantis. Uh, you know, it was at Marvel in the 70s doing Really good work on Hulk and Avengers and Doctor Strange and a couple of other novels. And Captain America too. He had the Secret yeah. Empire original story. I, yeah, I, oh, he was. He's like, if I get five, he's in there. And yeah, I, yeah. his Batman he, run with Marshall Rogers. Oh, so good. He, he yeah. he's just knocking at the door, just like it, so. It's yeah, hard. there's so many. That's what makes it so hard. I do want to point out though, no one calling out my boy Gary Trudeau. <laughs> What's up with that? Oh. Uh, all due respect to Gary Trudeau. Like, no! <laughs> no! Like, Doonesbury, I don't want to say it didn't belong on the Sunday funny pages, but it was never the best thing there. It, it never, won a Pulitzer! It won a Pulitzer! <laughs> it was never better than Calvin and Hobbes or Far Side or Peanuts. Like, maybe it beats Hagar the Horrible. <laughs> no! <laughs> What's that? I, the Foxtrot kids with the big heads. And the- ah, see, I will say that every single time I saw Doonesbury, I just kept on thinking, is this Bloom County, except not as funny? Yeah, it it's like it's the same. <laughs> it's like not as good. Guy? Like, I don't know. It was like this close to being shoe. Yeah, I, it's better than Kathy. It's better than Kathy. <laughs> what? Shots, Shots fired. fired. <laughs> oh, wow. Any case. Wow. For the last comic shop, right after these commercial breaks, we're going to get into uh, Legion of Superheroes, the Great Darkness Saga. So stick around for that. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave, and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old-school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week, there are people that really annoy me, and I'll call them out as the jag-off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on the Villainsman.com. Okay. 
Okay, and we're back. It's time now for the Read Pile Review. We are, as Andrew said, reading Great Darkness Saga as nominated for review by Chad, his DC pick. And this is a classic story from DC's Legion of Superheroes. Andrew, who wrote the Great Darkness Saga? Well, the uh, writer was uh, Paul Levitz, who has... uh, been uh, with DC Comics for over 40 years in a variety of different roles. Believe it or not, he was DC's youngest ever editor. So he wrote it, and then he was paired with uh, Keith Giffen, who has been drawing comic books ever since 1976. Uh, He started over at Marvel uh, illustrating The Sword and a Star, which was an obscure backup feature featuring Rocket Raccoon kind of neat but eventually jumped over to dc where he co-created like ambush bug and lobo and he drew a lot of stuff other than legion of superheroes such as like omega men and eventually he went on to team up with uh jm uh, d matias on uh, justice league international which is one of uh chad my's favorite iterations of the justice oh, yeah. League team that's the best one yeah. And uh, he was joined on uh, artist duties by Larry Malston. But really, it's, uh, it's, it's Levitz and Giffen. That they're the ones that are known for all of this. And it was kind of cool because Levitz was one of those guys that like started introducing things like the Encyclopedia Galactica. Make the Legion of Superhero book be more of a larger universe. You knew what planets did what and like kind of like what they do with Star Trek. So like it, it kind of defined the universe that the Legion existed in, which, again, I think kind of reinforced to a lot of fans that they were like invested in these characters and what was going on in the universes, which is why they had such a rabid fan base. OK. And uh, Chad, give us the 10 cent synopsis, but also tell us a little bit about what is Legion of Superheroes for somebody who might not know. So there you go. The Legion of Superheroes is a group of younger, I don't know if they're necessarily teens per se, but they are living in the 30th century. It was like 2980-something or so is when the Legion lived. And so you have a group that has a bajillion members. They all have silly names and silly powers, and some might be a bouncing boy and dream girl, or I don't know. They all have dumb names. Uh, But anyway... So you have a lot of Legion-y characters. Uh, at a certain point, the shadowy figures show up and just start handing them their butts. And basically, every Legion character, uh, up until the point when this was published in like 1982, makes an appearance in this story. And for the Legion, uh, if you talk to the Legion faithful, they'll point to this as one of the best Legion stories. But uh, it's all about the Legion getting their butts kicked until we get to the end and the big bad guy is revealed and it's very sad because uh they they give the spoiler away on the cover it's dark side and it's uh the remnants of the new gods that have been reawakened for this big giant battle and it's lots of soap opery fun (laughs) there you go yeah just to give a little bit more background around the legion of superheroes for those folks they they originally started in uh, 1958 and they actually had quite a lot of different writers. Like, again, we talked about Jim Shooter. Actually, Jim Shooter got his start in comic books, I think, at the tender age of 14, when he basically wrote to Mort Weisinger, who was running DC at the time, and said, I, I-, I would like to write for Legion of Superheroes. And his story was so good. It's this one about Pharaoh Lad and all this other stuff. And he introduced, like, the Fatal Five, which for Legion, that's their main Legionnaires. Bad that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what, one thing that Chad uh, failed to mention in his 10-cent synopsis is during this whole Great Darkness saga, underlying it is a campaign and election for the next Legion of Superheroes leader. That's true. You get uh, office politics. <laughs> and everybody scoffs at Dream Girl. There's uh, the the names are pretty shocking. A uh, Invisible Kid, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, Shadow Lass, Karate Kids in there, pre Ralph Macchio. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Legionnaires they they love this stuff. They they eat it up. And Paul Levitz, as I as I mentioned before, he really did create kind of 
a universe in which the buildup to this event and everything that's going on, like I, I think right before this, there's a, a character called Chameleon, what, Chameleon Boy, led some sort of uh, suicide mission uh, and went against, I don't know, the Galactic Charters and all this yeah, other stuff. Yeah, he went against the United Planets or whatever it's called here. Right, and his, and his dad is actually the guy... That that created the Legion, but you didn't know that because he's also a chameleon dude. I don't know. It's a lot of soap opera, and I can oh. see how like folks would love this because in a very similar vein, this is the exact same stuff that uh, Chris Claremont was doing with the X Men, and eventually, like again, what uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez did with Teen Titans. Like it's the same thing. It's a it's a collection of young adults that have like not only superpowers, but you have a lot of soap opera intrigue where stories build on stories and there's love affairs. Like, is Timberwolf and Saturn Girl, even though Saturn Girl is married to Lightning Lad, are they going to have an affair? And you get all that stuff. So I thought it was, I thought it was fun. What do you guys think? Absolutely. And I will say too, up to this point, I've given the book a little bit of grief. I don't know if you could tell, but uh, this was going head to head with the X-Men in terms of popularity at the time that it was being published. This was just like tuning into episode 674 of a soap opera. And you're, you're coming into all these subplots. You're coming into all this different character development. And the one big critique that I would have and this is my critique. Anytime I've attempted to to pick up Legion, is they don't make it easy for you. They don't tell you who the characters are. You don't know whenever they're dealing with Dollar General Doctor Strange, who the heck that guy is, and how he's one of their enemies. And you know, he's part of the Fatal Five, I guess. I don't know. And there's so many characters they throw out at you. The Legion of Substitute Heroes pop up in this story, but it is very much so like the Claremont X Men where it's that soap opera. And boy, had I been in for episodes 670 to 685 to, you know, whatever, started there and got into this, I would have loved, loved, loved this story. And I, I still think it's it's really good. It's really fun. The art is great. And I think this was one of the first times that Darkseid appeared outside of the Jack Kirby-verse. Yes. The fourth world. And, like, this story establishes him as not just the new god's enemy, but the enemy of the DC universe. <laughs> it was intriguing, and if I had the time to keep going with this stuff, and I knew that it was all just as good, I would. But my problem is, this is the best of the Legion. Based on the people that care about the Legion. So if this is as good as it gets, this was fun, but I'm done with Legion now. <laughs> Jay, what do you think? The biggest problem I had was I didn't know what anyone did. Uh, the names were a bit kooky. And then Invisible Kid, probably the most aptly named character, he <laughs> does something and then he disappears for like four issues and then he comes back. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. He's back now and he's doing something again because for the last three issues, he's been invisible. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be your audience in. So once he gets the audience in, he's out. Yeah. Well, if the problem is that he became like me. It, it was invisible. It, it, was, it wasn't the easiest to follow. Not unlike, you know, diving into some of the, you know, Claremont X-Men in the 70s and the 80s. That being said, at least the Claremont X-Men, you only had to worry about five or six or seven X-Men. Not a kajillion different legions. They just coming out from everywhere. They're all here, and they're all—they're all a lad or a lass or a boy or a girl. Well, I will so, say this: that it does help in terms of continuity to just have Superboy here. He is Superboy from the past, and he's brought forward into the future, and all this other stuff. It's a lot of stuff they got rid of in, in Crisis of Infinite Earths. So they were like, "No, no, no! Superman doesn't do this anymore. We have to get rid of Superboy." But for this, he doesn't even really look like a boy. He looks like Superman. So you're just like, okay, I got Superman. At least I know who that character is. And so when you have him and then you have Darkseid, who I know at the time, Darkseid wasn't anything. He was a new God's throwaway. He showed up in a couple issues. Now he's like the biggest villain that DC has other than maybe Lex Luthor and the Joker. And I thought it was like really super interesting with all like the, the evil clones that Darkseid was creating. I was trying to figure out who they were. And I was like, oh, that's definitely Orion. Like, I've read New Gods. Oh, yeah. I know who that is. And the then Mr. Guys, Miracle guy? Yeah. 
I didn't know who the big brain dude was, and it turns out he was nobody. But still, for a little while, I was like, ooh, who's that guy? <laughs> like, I want to find out who that guy is, because he's probably somebody important. But yeah, it, it, it's amazing for me reading this series with hindsight, right? Like, now again, like I said, Superman and Darkseid, they fight all the time nowadays. But back then, the notion of putting the Kryptonian versus the Master of Apocalypse against each other, that was novel. Like, nobody had done that before. That's original for the time. Now it's, like, commonplace. Oh, yeah. Well, even, like, I think of, like, pro wrestling parlance where it's, like, they build this guy up. They feed him all these job or legion guys, like, whatever welder face is. Fire guy. Like, wildfire. You didn't like wildfire? Yeah, until they just dispatch him. That's no, no, no. He's just his containment suit because he's he's just energy. Apparently, I had to look him up. He's a cool character. Yeah, it, it looks cool, but I mean, they feed him all of these different Legion superheroes, and it's something that it's to be commended how much the Legion has to go through to get to Darkseid, even right. amidst all their internal uh, squabbling over who's going to be the leader, and like somebody's taking charge, like, oh, you know, just because you're running for office, you want to get your points in. It's like, oh, geez, come on, guys, get along. Yeah, the sort of the, the setup where Darkseid is sending out all his his minions to collect these different elements to to make him stronger. I was like, wow. I'm thinking, you know, Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen should have gotten some sort of writing credit on the the MCU Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> movies because those elements they're not in the Infinity Gauntlet the, as written by uh, Jim Starlin. That's taken from this. Yeah. Where he goes and he's like building up his power and stuff. Darkseid is very much reminiscent of a modern day Thanos. Like, again, like, and then it's, I guess it's the seeds of like how you build up a character. And boy, that scene where he uses his powers to swap the planets so that he can make like an invincible army of three billion super beings. And did you see that a lot of them were drawn in kind of like a Jack Kirby-esque? Their designs of their costumes look very new gaudy and like i think one looked almost like thor and i was like that's kind of neat i mean they ended up being like all faceless nameless people of like a plague of locusts but at the same time it was kind of cool like you really do get a sense like dark side cannot be stopped how they're gonna beat this guy is is beyond me because it doesn't seem possible and how terrible would it be if your home planet gets replaced with apocalypse like, ah, oh, somebody messed up all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, but how how awesome would it be is, like, if suddenly your home planet is in front of a ye- yellow sun instead of a red one, and, like, your entire population becomes Superman. Yeah. You got me there. And I will say this. I think we commented during our New Gods review. You know, Jack Kirby is a really great artist. He really ah. is. I love Jack Kirby art. Don't know if he's the best writer. Mm. And so it's always good when you have folks that take some of Jack Kirby's ideas and they take them somewhere else. The notion like that without this book, you really maybe wouldn't have Darkseid be a big bad in the DC universe. But Paul Levitz does such a good job of building up him as an unstoppable force that it's hard not to be like, yeah, I see he can be used in interesting ways. And then you get Highfather and, and, and Orion. And they Orion and Darkseid have that big fight at the end, which is awesome. Yeah. And I was going to say, don't undersell uh, Keith Giffen in this. Because early in his career, Keith Giffen was kind of a Jack Kirby clone. And he even busted some of that out in the New 52 when he did the Omax story. So this is a guy that's uh, always given credit, either through you know flattery and imitation or respecting the you know what jack kirby has brought to the table in terms of characters in terms of bombast in terms of artwork and how things are set up so giffen and i'm sure paul levitz too but giffen especially has that respect for kirby and what kirby had done and how how innovative it really was yeah i once you got past the the hokey names it sort of felt like x-men in space (laughs) in the 30th century it was fun. It was a fun read. It was a fun setup. The story had some nuance to it, and you had sort of this palace intrigue, office politics thing going on in the background, and this guy's had his antenna 
shackled <laughs> so that he couldn't change because he was like arrested for treason and sent to jail for 30 years or something. I liked all that, that they didn't stop everything else that was going on to tell the main story. I think, you know, that's very similar to what Claremont did with X-Men. He would have the main story, but you still have all this underlying stuff, setting up things for the future, resolving things from the past. It makes it maybe a little bit harder to approach as just a single story, but it also reminds you that these exist within a, a longer continuity. Yeah, the only downside is knowing that DC totally screws up the Legion. They do one of those five years later kind of things where everything is destroyed and it becomes dystopian and like all the the quirky stuff that the fans loved. And then they hit a big reset button and they're like, oh, that didn't work. Whoops. And they hit another reset button and whoops. And then it got to the point where that's like, ah, Legion's not a thing. <laughs> right. And I think it was all because of Crisis. Because, again, when once Crisis hits, they were like, well, we got to do something else. We don't have Superboy. And that's an important thing. Again, Superboy is a very, very important part of the whole Legion of Superheroes deal. You, you, you really can't have Legion of Superheroes without Superboy. I, I enjoyed it just from that perspective. Because, like, even when I was growing up, when I was reading Legion, they didn't have Superman in there. And I was just like, oh, I missed out on the good stuff. So I was glad to go back and read some of the good stuff. Brainiac 5 wasn't doing it for you? No. And although I, I love the end where uh, I evidently Brainiac 5 had a crush on Supergirl this whole time. He was it's like, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was like, she called me cute! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get to our ratings of the Great Darkness Saga right after these commercial breaks, so stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shop. Hi, this is Stig from the Modern Escapism Podcast. Do you need to get away from the real world for a few hours to find some time to just procrastinate and forget about everything else? If you do, then the Modern Escapism Podcast can help you with just that. Our goal from the start has been to distract listeners from the doldrums of real life and provide that getaway that so many of us need from time to time. Each week, we discuss what media we've been consuming, from movies, games, TVs, books, music and more. There's always something new brought to the table in hope that we can recommend something for you to enjoy. After that, we have a main topic of discussion, which we have a lot of fun with. We always encourage listener participation for these. We discuss all kinds of things, ranging from sequels, soundtracks, D&D, nostalgia, one-hit wonders, body art, trash TV, and more. The topics are limitless. So if you like chat about media and just general silliness, then why not join myself, Gadget, Oodles, Candy and Biggie each Thursday and subscribe to the Modern Escapism podcast. You'll find us on all podcast providers, Spotify and YouTube. Let us aid with your procrastination. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. It is now time for our rating, where we hope that you find a legion of friends that you can go to comic book shops with and maybe pick up The Great Darkness Saga and read and then rate for yourself, kind of like we did. You know, we're not the only people that can do this. Like, everybody could have a one out of four scale and sit with your friends and be like, I think it was a this. But you know what's different about us? We have a podcast where you get to hear it. And so J.A. likes to give us a one out of four scale that's unique every week. And what is our one out of four scale this week? Well, there are tons of them, but we're going to try to reduce it to four. One out of four Legionnaires. Ah! Yes. See? And you like that? That's the French Foreign League with Legion. <laughs> right there. I thought that was appropriate. Any case... Yeah, I guess we'll start off with uh, Chad, since it was his pick this week. Chad, what are you going to give The Great Darkness Saga? So, yeah, it's it's hard to get into. It's like picking up a soap opera, but this is just like what comics were when I was getting into comics as a kid. You know, you didn't get Batman issue one. You got Detective Comics issue 602 and just went from there. And so, like I said, I could see if this were Legion books I were picking up at the time, loving this series because they do a great job building up the bad there are stakes even though there's a bajillion legion members all that does is just inspire people like ja to google uh fire energy matter boy or whatever his name is <laughs> but it gives you so many ins to you know to love this universe and it's sad that dc ends up screwing it up and so legion do doesn't actually achieve its uh its future destiny there but no, I, 
there's so much here that is fun, but it is it is really hard to penetrate. And I don't know if you could help it. I don't know if having Wikipedia entries along the side listing the characters would be beneficial because there's so many. There's so much here. And I, I was being facetious earlier when I said, if this is the best of the Legion, that's all I need. I'm done. But I, I, I'm kind of not because I don't have the kind of time to deal with six million characters like this. You know, there's just too much other stuff out there for me to be a Legion devotee uh, to get the rest of it. So I'm going to give this a three and a half Legionnaires. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to mention, too, we read this in a more modern collection that had the updated uh, coloring. But boy, when I went back and looked at the original issues, the original issues were just, there was something about it that made it so much better. Like, this is a piece of work that belongs in 1982. And having that dot coloring they did on the old-style comic books, that was great. Andy, you missed out on the 16-page preview of the Masters of the Universe that shows up in Legion of Superheroes 293. Oh. Ironically, because it's a future story, but it belongs in 1982 on the garbage paper with the, the, the old-style coloring. Like, the characters just look more imposing. It just feels more real. All right. Jay, what's your... How many Legionnaires are you giving it? So I'm going to come slightly down from Chad's 3.5 to 3.25 Legionnaires. And I'll tell you why. is because at the end, in the epilogue, when Saturn Girl goes into labor, then suddenly it gets dark... And she delivers, and apparently she had twins, and one is stolen by Darkseed. It's the 30th century. They don't have ultrasound? Come on. They refused it. They made that point. They said they didn't want the tests. And you know how things go. Everybody gets all crunchy. They want the old ways. They want the midwife. (laughs) Come on, now. (laughs) That, yeah, it was a fun book. Uh, It's not unlike what I was saying back when we reviewed the the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, The reason why I liked the second Doctor Strange movie better than the first, because we didn't have the origin story to go through. Well, this they don't bother with any of the origin stories. They just you're in the middle of it from the beginning, and and I like that. I and in this day and age, unlike you know when I was reading X Men in the 80s and 90s, you've got Google and Wikipedia, so you can fill in the gaps if you want to fill in the gaps, so you can just be, oh, I'm just going to read it, enjoy it, and I don't understand why Lightning Lad and Shadow Lass are fighting each other and are are not happy with Saturn Girl and Invisible Boy. <laughs> what I didn't understand was Timberwolf. Timberwolf was just very confusing to me, like... I don't know. Darkseid took his humanity or something, and I was just like, "Is he? Is he like Wolverine? Like, is that? Is he the Wolverine of this group, Timberwolf? Like, it, it makes sense if I guess if he was, but like, he doesn't." They shared seem... a costume. Is he the yeah. one? Is he the one who was always angry? He was like angry at the the person who was yes, the he was, he was, who was he angry was at uh, Yellow Chameleon uh, Boy. I think I'm gonna go uh, with Chad as a three point five. I really enjoyed this. I think I enjoyed it the most because I've read older Legion of Superheroes from like the Silver Age, but I didn't enjoy any of it. I was just reading it because I'm a comic book historian and I like to read sometimes old stuff like that. This I actually enjoyed. Again, you get a lot of the seeds of what you'd eventually see in the DC universe that's become again commonplace, like Superman fighting Darkseid. But you got introduced to a lot of Legion superheroes that I didn't know about. Like, I didn't know about Wildfire. Like, the only ones I knew were, like, Bounce Boy, Cosmic Boy, and, and Saturn Girl. And they were very much in the background for the most part. I got to get all the other ones. Ultra Lad or Ultra Boy or whatever his name is. He can only use one power at a time. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, to Jay's a point, I, I ultimately, as I was reading this, I had my phone up at the same time. And I was looking up all the characters. And if a book makes me do that then it wins right it's making me do research (laughs) it's got to be at least interesting enough that i'm like all right i gotta find out what's going on with these people fill in the gaps i I am kind of like with uh, chad though that like if this is the best like i'm glad i read it but it doesn't make me want to go read more legion after this i might lead the legion that leads up to this because i want to see like what builds up to this but if this is the pinnacle you know this is the dark phoenix saga and why would i read anything i mean i i don't know but 3.5 
The Keith Giffen art is great, by the way. Really, really great stuff. Just as good as the stuff that was happening at Marvel at the time with John Byrne on X-Men. Just as good as the stuff that happened with Teen Titans and the late, great George Perez. Keith Giffen's stuff is is wonderful. So read it for that, if, if nothing else. So... In any case, some other things that you should read, if nothing else, is our recommendations, because we give them to you every single show, so you might as well go out to your local comic shop and pick up some of these other books, in addition to the Great Darkness Saga, that you can find in a variety of different formats. Uh, I love the one that was done by Eagle Moss Collections. You can find it in hardback. It's a British company. They put out a bunch of these and uh, the version that I had not only had the, the Great Darkness Saga, but I also threw in a, an issue of the Silver Age from Adventure Comics 300, which was kind of neat. Plus, they give you, like, some background and the story thus far. Kind of great stuff. So if you can find the Eagle Moss version. Anyways, J.A., what's your recommendation this week? So I am recommending a four-issue run of Silver Surfer that's been collected into a trade as well called Silver Server Requiem. J. Michael Straczynski is the writer and was penciled, inked, and colored by Isad Ribic. And the art is, I mean, I'm recommending it for the story, uh, but the art is incredible. It has the same feel as the uh, Marvels by Alex Ross. The whole thing is painted. It's just beautiful. And basically what it is is um, the story is Silver Surfer's dying. Uh, the skin that coats him that Galactus gave him is starting to break down and he has a month to live. He asks Reed Richards to have a look at him and, and, you know, figure out what's wrong. And he says, you're dying. There's nothing I can do. The technology that Galactus gave you is so far beyond what I could ever even create in the next 3000 years or something like that. Uh, And Silver Surfer being Silver Surfer says, well, you know, a butterfly lives in a lifetime in two weeks so i have two lifetimes to live and then in the second issue he uh, encounters spider-man and they have a nice little talk silver surfer is about to fly away and spider-man says well you know at least you get to fly around and experience all these things and silver surfer says i will let you experience it i will give you a bit of my power cosmic and i'll let you experience it and he says no i don't want it but give it to mary jane so he gives MJ the power cosmic and she flies or, you know, all over the universe and comes back an hour later and is is touched by what she's seen and and everything. It's it's just that it's sort of a, the whole story is about how do we deal with death and how, how does a silver surfer deal with moving into the next realm of his existence or, and whatnot. It's wonderfully written, wonderfully touching if you're a silver surfer fan. And just incredibly beautiful art. Yeah, Isab Rubik is is great stuff. He did, uh, what, the Thor God of Thunder series, which is really great. He did a lot of the Secret Wars stuff. Anytime you can get his art, yeah. And J. Michael Straczynski, if you give him an end point, his stories are great. But if you if you give him a title and just let him go, like... Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he, he had four issues because he's dead at the end of the fourth one. So. That's it. I read that one. That's a great story. So, okay, well, I'll I'll go next. And my story, also kind of a sad one, but it it reminded me of the Legion because it dealt so much with inner office politics. Uh, It is the One Star Squadron, uh, which came out this past year by Mark Russell and Stephen Lieber. And it's basically a small business called Heroes for You, which is run by Red Tornado. And underneath Red Tornado, you have uh, Power Girl and the Heckler and the Minuteman and a bunch of other never was uh, in the superhero community that go out there and sometimes they'll appear at parties or sometimes they'll be security guards for an event. And they're doing this to, you know, get basically like their Yelp reviews. And, you know, the more stars you get, the more money you can make, that kind of stuff. But uh, the story is a very sad one. They talk about this hero named the Gangbuster who was this great fighter and he was known for being able to take shots to the head and, uh, and recover. He is now all used up and can't remember things and is having violent outbursts. And part of this heroes for you program, they have an outreach thing basically to help heroes in need. And so they start taking care of him. But while that's going on, you also have this plot where power girl 
tries to usurp Red Tornado to become the manager of Heroes for You. And then the people that own the Heroes for You are trying to sell and trying to cut costs. And there's just so much of it of terrible people being terrible. And then when you get to the tail end of the series, you get to issue six. And uh, there are some tragic events that have happened. But uh, Mark Russell gives you the, hey, this is why we do this kind of stuff. This is what keeps us going. You know, it's one of those things where it's a a delicate balance with the Steve Lieber art. And he throws in all those jokes that you love out of Steve Lieber art. They're going to restaurants. You have Orange Romulus. Uh, It's like the coffee shop is called Grounds for Termination. The vape store is Planet of the Vapes. And you see all these degrading things that happen to these superheroes because they need to make money for their families and to survive. And I, I think of the Simpsons where Homer Simpson has the picture of Maggie, you know, posted over his thing. And he, the sign originally said like, you'll be here forever or whatever. And he blots out the letters and just do it for her. So while it is super depressing, uh, it, it gives you that emotional kick at the end. It just reminds you why you care about these guys. And so, One Star Squadron, Superman Service at Bizarro Prices, should be out soon in trade paperback. Uh, I recommend you check it out. All right. Well, my recommendation this week is uh, also a recommendation that during the summertime that you check out local yard sales because they're a great place to pick up comic books sometimes. Uh, Folks are getting rid of stuff, and sometimes comic books end up being what they're trying to get rid of. And recently I had an opportunity to pick up a great comic book that I hadn't read in decades that uh, I found very enjoyable. So I'm going to talk about it. It is also a Silver Surfer book, keeping with the theme of cosmic-related superheroes. But this is a team-up with the Green Lantern that happened in the mid-'90s called, uh, I think it's either called Silver Surfer Green Lantern or Green Lantern Silver Surfer Unholy Alliance. I mean, it's Unholy Alliance. Whatever. Uh, And it was uh, done by Ron Martz with uh, art by uh, Daryl Banks. Kind of like the precursor to the Marvel DC event that they had in the mid-90s where the two uh, companies fought and they sent their heroes to fight each other and stuff like that. But in this, Thanos has ripped a hole in the universe to try to get the power of Oa that was recently destroyed by Hal Jordan, also known as Parallax at the time. Basically, Parallax is trying to get the Silver Surfer to give him his power so that he can create the universe and save a lot of people in some mad quest to create a lot of stuff. And Thanos is like, yeah, I found Kyle Rayner and he's going to let me tap into Oa so that I can destroy everything. And then Parallax and Thanos fight and then Silver Surfer and Kyle Rayner fight. And and it's it's pretty fun. Thanos gets to be the old-fashioned Thanos where he's like more manipulative and like, Oh, Kyle Rayner, like I'm trying to save the universe from the evil of parallax. Come, come help me. Oh, wait, it's just, I wanted your power ring. Ha ha ha. It's just, it's just fun stuff. It reminds me of the comic books I read when I was a teenager and I really enjoyed. And as plus, we've been talking about team ups all year, whether it was with the JLA Avengers or whatever, probably can find it again in buck bins but it's it's really good i found it at a yard sale as i said uh it is uh green lantern silver surfer unholy alliance it's just weird it's just a weird title unholy alliance like it doesn't sound no it it, it, even the way they punctuated it it was green lantern space silver surfer colon unholy alliance Yeah, but it's got some great art. Daryl Banks draws just as good as Ron Lim, I think. I think he draws a great Thanos in this. Whoa. Yeah, no, That's he does. High like, J.A. should read this. It's good. It's not bad. He, he, he craps on the Green Lanterns all the time. This is a fairly decent Green Lantern story. Any okay. case. One thing that we hope you don't crap on is the last comic shop. We hope that you come back and actually listen to our shows more often. And you can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can rate, review, and subscribe to that myriad of podcasters that you can find our show on every single week. In addition to YouTube, again, it's getting into the summertime. And maybe you're, you know, on airplanes or driving in the car somewhere on, like, but you need stuff to watch. So go out to our YouTube channel. Not only do we have a lot of our podcast available, but a lot of bonus videos 
uh, unboxing of action figures and uh, comic books and even talks with uh, independent comic book creators as bonus content. It's always good. <laughs> there you go. And if you want more bonus content, you can find us on the social medias like uh, Twitter and Instagram at we're at last comic shop. But uh, you would see things like our weekly polls that Jay puts out or what we're picking up at the comic shops or the daily comic factoids or golden age covers to uh, tuck you in at night. There's all sorts of that and more. We're trying to start interesting discussions and having uh, Twitter spaces on TV shows. You never know what's going to pop up. So follow us on the socials. You can find them at our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. And also there, you've got a link to our merch store. The summer's coming, so if you need something to wear at the beach, don't go without a Last Comic Shop Beach Summer Edition t-shirt hoodie. I don't know, maybe you need a hoodie. It gets cold at night on the beach sometimes, yeah? <laughs> Depends where you are. If you're, in the, if you're on the Jersey Beach, it's horribly cold in the winter. <laughs> yeah, it's Especially this time. Like, people go to Delaware all the time in, like, June, and you're like, no, no you gotta go south. Like, it's still cold. That water's still freezing. Yeah, you need a last comic shop hoodie to keep yourself warm with that beach logo so that That's you can right. definitely still be fronting. About and the summertime vibes. And there's a myriad of colors available, so you can match your favorite Legionnaire. Yeah? You want to be Lightning Lad? Get it in that yellow. You want to be Shadow Lass? Get it in black. You want to be Wildfire? Have your t-shirt be your containment suit? Go with the orange. <laughs> <laughs> and after you've got your containment suits, you can always head to your local comic shop to find cool stuff whether it's the great darkness saga like we we're talking about today whether it was silver surfer requiem or one star squadron or if you couldn't find it at that yard sale the green lantern silver surfer Unholy alliance all that more waits for you at your local comic shop don't know where your local comic shop is use the comic shop locator www.comicshoplocator.com find one near you all right and we will be back next week with more comic book reviews and recommendations until then i was the host with the most andy larson i was joined by jay scott and chad smith and remember to stay safe stay cool and remember if you're a member of the legion of superheroes your superhero name is just what you're good at and the word boy or girl afterwards <laughs> Condescension so land. Clean the gutters, boy. Lazy no goodnik land. <laughs> Couch potato boy. Wash your windows, kid. Grilling hamburgers, lad. <laughs> Wait, wrong direction, friend. Are we there yet, lass? Oh. Lake shaver girl. Monopoly hotel owner. <laughs> The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.